Pictures up, last looks. to episode 213 of the Ink to Film podcast, where we read the book and then see the movie. I'm Luke. And I'm James. And this week, we take a look back at all the things we covered in 2021. Well, Happy New Year, James. Uh, Happy New Year to all our listeners. It is 2022 officially. Uh, We're recording this on the 4th. So welcome to the new year, but we will be taking a look back at the year that was. 2021, man, yeah. what a year. <laughs> I know we all want to spend more time in that year, right? <laughs> I thought, you know, after 2020, I thought that 2021 was going to be different and it was not that different, but yeah. you know, it had its it had its moments. Yeah, I wrote it was kind of an unwelcome sequel to 2020. It was like the sequel no one wanted, like, oh, come on. It was the Jaws 2 of 2020. <laughs> I think you're right, yeah. But we did cover some awesome projects this year. Yeah. And honestly, it was like, I mean, we got the vaccines like 2020. When I think back about it, it felt like all of us were doing similar things, right? Like those of us, at least who were respecting health guidelines, like we were all quarantining. We were all like not going out. And like it was like a weird unifying thing, even as the com- country was deeply divided. Um, everybody was online. Like, I don't know. There was there was a certain like consistency of experience like even like all celebrities and like everybody in the world was doing it well i mean that's and that's a carryover from 2020 as well like there was a bit of that at the tail end of 2020 people were still that's what i mean like 2020 felt like that to me just an experiential like everybody was doing similar things and then 2021 was a little different because the vaccine rollout was came at different times for different people and so people like some people started being able to do things again. Other people were still waiting because like in Oregon, we were one of the last to have uh, vaccines available for people in my uh, category. So there was this kind of like disjointed reentering thing happening. And then it was like, oh, but now you got to kind of go back because there's this new variant and Delta comes and Omicron and uh, there were other ones. And it's it's now it's it's very confusing. And uh, it's it's just been a strange year. It's not normal. Right. Like it's definitely not normal. It, yeah. It just feels like a holding period still. Like we're not yeah. quarantining. We were able to do some things. And then there was like ter- certain times where it didn't feel safe and certain things you would. St- you, I went out in public a lot more, you know, right. in 2021. Uh, for sure. Yeah. But I started hanging out with friends again, but like it was like a small group of friends. And for a little while, it felt like we were going to start being able to do like big public groups again. And then that kind of quickly went away when Delta came. So just a weird like up and down year. And I'm sure people had similar experiences, but it, it happened at different times and in different ways for different people. And, um, you know, uh, the one thing that has been consistent has been this podcast for me. And uh, I, I continue to enjoy it. Uh, I like sharing this experience with you and with our listeners. And, uh, you know, this was a really good year. I was looking back at the list and I was like, damn, we covered some excellent stuff. I think um, this is like a prime year. Like I was, there was every a, year we have a lot of great stuff, though. So 
I don't know if I could like compare, but like, man, they're it, again very difficult to make these choices. You wouldn't think it would be that hard when it's only like twenty options or something, but it's still very hard when you cover stuff as as good as what we got into. Um, I know you have a you have a breakdown of, of exactly what we got covered this year, right? I do, yeah. Okay. So this year we covered eighteen separate projects. Now this is not including. The from the vault episodes that we released on sort of off weeks or our 200th episode i didn't i didn't include our 200th episode okay yeah because that one like that one is an episode but it's not something we're covering so i, I get right. why you why you would have left that one off so 18, so 18. That, that actually feels kind of low for us um is that because we i feel like we covered a lot of tv this year we did yeah so when you just look at the numbers we covered 14 movies and five tv shows but when you think about when you think about episodes that we pour into these projects for those, the movie episodes, 14, and for the TV shows, 10 episodes on those five TV shows. Oh, so averaging two per per show. So almost ha- like almost half and half movies and TV shows this year. Yeah, it did feel like there was a lot of them. I mean, there was a lot of good ones. I don't know. Like, I still feel have mixed feelings about covering TV shows. We're going to continue to do them. Um, but they just are difficult. Like there's always something easier and, 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 you know, it fits into our coverage a lot better when it's a movie. Something about the way that I like, I, I, I prefer film to TV shows and like, I love long stories. I love sticking with characters, getting multiple seasons, but there's something that's like a perfect mode of storytelling, at least from my perspective of like a film coming, giving you the experience and going and the way that 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 experience can be expressed and stuff and so when we cover these things i find that i i get a lot more out of the movie episodes even though we spend less time with them technically per you know per one project it's interesting man because the longer we've been doing this podcast the more i i used to always feel like tv shows were where it was at when it comes to adaptations and i still feel like that's the case for many projects Mm-hmm. But there are some really great movie adaptations that are able to really boil it down into this, you know, two to three hour product. And when that when that comes together, it can kind of feel like it's a, a magical thing. Um, and, you know, it always feels magical to me when we have a great adaptation and it can come in many forms. So I, I honestly don't know. Like, I, I feel like as an author, I would almost rather have a TV show. But I mean, sure, you'd be happy with like a good movie, too. So I think it's going to depend on who's adapting it. Right. Right. Either way. Yeah, it's just you, you get I, I feel like the experience of watching a, a, you know, eight or 10 episode TV show, even six episodes like we saw with Wheel of Time, like it's closer to reading a book. It's just spending more time and, and being able to delve into more of the things. Um, but yeah, anyway, I we, think yeah. Wheel of Time was eight, though, right? Was it? OK, yeah, I'm pretty I, sure. Yeah, yeah. We're, yeah, you're right. It was eight. Regardless, uh, it, it's something I want to track as we continue to do this and, and kind of move forward with our experience like. When it comes down to it, what is the best way to adapt a, a book? And I'm sure there's no one answer, but like what books yeah. what books really lend themselves to movies versus versus TV? I yeah. think one day it's going to click for us, right? Like that's the point of this whole thing is like we're going to uncover the the secret clue. Yeah. And then we're going to know like what makes the perfect. We'll truly be experts, right? Ad- adaptation, yeah. <laughs> Maybe once we release, what is it, 10,000 hours of content? <laughs> yeah. We're coming up on it, right? <laughs> Feels like it. <laughs> Grinding away at it. So we talked about movies and TV shows, the number right. of books projects that we covered this year so yeah. books that we read through 18 now this includes two short stories a comic and a poem yeah that's a little i think it's our first time doing a poem if i'm remembering correctly we've done comics before so yeah that is cool we got the one i guess that one was scott pilgrim 
Yeah. So it was actually six comics. It was like a run of comics. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. going to do like the whole breakdown of that. <laughs> yeah. So potentially 24 if you wanted to add them all up. 23, whatever it would be. Uh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, I like that we're diversifying a little bit there. It is fun to, to try some different stuff. One of these days, I feel like we're going to end up doing a play or something, right? Yeah, it's got to happen. I, I, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I think there's something out there that's been adapted from a play that we have to cover at some yeah. point. It's going to be so interesting too because we'll be so out of our element. Like neither of us has. A well, if we ever do Shakespeare, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. well. Speaking of, uh, that might be a that might be a little Easter egg for something to come later that I'll talk about. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, I did want to talk about the fact that we had four from the bald episodes this year as well. Oh, okay. Which we, which are our bonus episodes that we that we thread in when we when we take an off week. So four weeks off really is what we had this year. Well, we plan to have four weeks off per year um, as our minimum. Um, we kind of built it into like having one break, one week off uh, each quarter. Um, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll definitely do that again in the coming year. Um, sometimes you end up having to take more, uh, you know, cause life happens, but yeah, that's pretty good. And, and, uh, it's good to give, I think a taste of what's going on on Patreon. Um, at this rate, we'll never catch up to Patreon because we do every month on Patreon, whereas that's every four year. So, uh, if you want to catch up and, and like listen to the, the recent stuff, definitely check out our Patreon. Yeah. So you mentioned Scott Pilgrim was the comic that we covered. The right. shorts were, uh, Sleepy Hollow and Candyman. Right. With the forbidden. And then, uh, the poem was, uh, the Green Knight or Sir Gowan and the Green Knight. And then our TV shows, like I addressed, The Stand to start the year, then Shadow and Bone, Haunting of Hill House, Handmaid's Tale, and Wheel of Time. Right, yeah. Five freaking TV shows. That's well, I don't know if we'll hit that number again, but I wouldn't have ever thought we would have hit five anyway, so maybe we yeah. will. We'll see. We'll see. If they're going to keep making, like, there's some that we just can't miss. You know, there's some yeah. that, like, hit too squarely for us that we're like, we have to we have to cover this. So we'll see yeah. how many they, they make that are like that next, next few and years. And again, I'm conflicted because as a fan, I do like a TV show adaptation. Just yeah. as a podcaster, I'm like, oh, man, it would be easier to do if it was a movie. <laughs> right. So throughout those episodes, also, we had technically seven guests, six different times. Six guest episodes. Gotcha. Uh, we had Rebecca Drake with Gone Girl. Right. Tyler Clawson. Between Lewis and Lovecraft podcast. And he was on for Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And then we had Pause Pop, who's K.W. Taylor and Carrie Gessner. Pause Pop is a podcast. Yep. And uh, they were on for uh, Shadow and Bone. Right. Then we had Jennifer Hudak for Pride and Prejudice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was that was definitely one of our patron uh, poll winning selections, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, more recent, we had Fonda Lee for Dune, for the right. Dune film, which yeah. was, you know, a big one we'd been looking forward to, to have, you know, to cover Dune and then to have Fonda come back on. It was really fun. Just a brief aside, I, I, I think I was listening through some of our previous Last Looks episodes just to like kind of see what we've done over the years. And I, I think we mentioned wanting to cover Dune in our first Last Looks episode of 2017. Because we had just seen we had just seen Blade Runner 2049 and it was announced that he was going to be adapting Dune and we were like, oh, we want to cover that. So that's been it's been with us since the beginning. That's so funny. It really has. I remember in in the episode with Fonda, I remember mentioning like when he when it was announced soon after Blade Runner 2049, we knew we were going to cover it. And so it's funny that like in the same way that we had like it was our first project ever. And then we knew it. Chapter two was coming years and years later. 
we we always knew we were going to cover Dune. So there's got to be another one like that. Oh, there is. I mean, I've been ever since we started the podcast. Like I'm tracking these things now, and there's lots of stuff that has been delayed, and I've heard announced, and uh, you know, we had the stand for a while. Yeah, the stand was a while. Sandman is coming next year. That's a little. That's a little preview of uh, something I was going to mention later. I don't want to get too much into looking ahead. That's something we're going to save for the end. Who was that? We had one more, right? Yeah, and recently we had uh, Eric Grove for the Green Knight, the film. Right. Yeah, those are uh, some awesome guests. You know, people I know in real life, many of them I know from Seton Hill or I've met through the podcast. A lot of great writers. Just, you know, an awesome year. It seems like not as many as we've done in years past, but we've never like we've, we've always averaged about a guest every three or four episodes. Never really much more than that. So I think that's still kind of on par with that, right? Pretty much on par, yeah, I think. Yeah. Uh, thank you to all our guests who joined us. Uh, we truly appreciated having you on, and it always helps uh, sort of break up our, our experience and do something a little different. So we're always looking for, for more guests like that. That's uh, definitely welcome. Uh, if you're ready, I think let's get into our first category here. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about our, uh, first off, our most surprising selection after this, we're going to talk about our worst read of the year, our best read of the year, our worst watch of the year, and then finally, uh, leading up to our best watch of the year, which would be our best adaptation um, of the year that we covered. We're going to break down our thinking and why we chose what we chose, um, and we're going to move through that, um, and, and we're starting off with surprising. So what what surprised you this year? Right. I was going to ask you, are you going to consider the book and film just the project most surprising or a select uh, one of the specific i have i have a specific it. either movie or book free for for my choice i have a i have my choice and then i have a couple of runner-ups i want to mention okay so i think my most surprising that uh, to be specific like you are going to be um my most surprising of the year was the pride and prejudice novel okay yeah because it's so far out of the element of things that I normally read, the kinds of things that I'm drawn to. And I really enjoyed it. I remember really liking it this year and thinking like, this is the kind of thing that like, I'm happy that the podcast exists for reasons to go into because this is a piece of classic literature that like, of course, I should have read by however old I was when we recorded this episode. <laughs> and like, it's like, it's kind of ridiculous to have certain things out there just like floating that you're like, oh, man, like, why haven't I read this and to have the opportunity and then to have enjoyed it as much as I did. I was like, it was surprising to me in that way on the list of things on here like some of the things sort of met expectations whether they were really high or really low but this was like surprising to me a lot of them have a lot of surprise comes down to expectation right like what was your expectation going into the project um so uh so i'll I'll mention a couple offhand that uh, i won't go too deep into but uh pride and prejudice was on my list but i chose the movie um it was it was one that i really enjoyed and was not expecting to like as much as i did um, maybe I should have been. I don't know. But yeah, yeah that I was, was going to say when you, when I asked you at the beginning of this, I was going to say both Pride and Prejudice novel <laughs> and movie. Yeah. But I decided to get more specific and say book. Go but, with the novel. Um, I also do have a runner up as a film, but continue with your list. OK, well, my other runner up was was the Scott Pilgrim comics. Um, and that was because. More the experience of reading them, because when I started out, I was like, if you remember me on the episode, I was very like, I don't know about these comics, like the early issues. I was very on the fence. Like I really didn't like Scott. Um, I was taken with the art style and I liked sort of the vibe of the, of the, of the comics, but um, yeah, very on the fence. But then as we progressed and as we continued to read it, I actually really fell in love with it. 
And by the end, I was like loving everything. And um, I still think back about how cool the art style was in that comic. So uh, it was it was just a surprising thing overall. And I'm really glad I read it. Anyway, that's not my main pick. My main pick, my actual pick was Candyman 1992. Um, nice. Now, the new one was it was kind of surprising in and of itself um, because it was very good. But I kind of expected it to be from everything I've been hearing. The original Candyman, I didn't know what really I was going to get out of it. I was kind of going into it expecting it to be more schlocky, like kind of forgettable 80s horror fare. Yeah. yeah. And it really isn't. It's it's got a lot to it. And it's a really interestingly made movie with a lot of like, you know, the backstory behind it and the way it connects to the short story it's based on, um, the performances, the slow burn nature of it and, and the way the reveals are done. It, it is a very particular and unique movie um, that I think is, you know, hugely influential and has this sort of historical importance tied to it. Uh, yeah, I was very surprised by that movie and how much I liked it. So, yeah, that, that's my choice for most surprising. You said you had a runner up. Yeah. So my runner up was actually the Slaughterhouse Five film. OK, yeah, yeah, I can see that. Because like I really didn't expect it to be good. I was like, there's a reason I, there, I was like, there's a reason we haven't covered Slaughterhouse Five through, you know, five seasons or at the time. And then we covered the novel and like really enjoyed the novel. But then the, the movie surprised me like it was it was better than expected. They were able to, to sort of emphasize certain things from the book that I didn't think they were going to be able to. And it, overall, just surprising again, just because of expectations. I can see it, man. Uh, but your official answer is Pride and Prejudice uh, book and mine is Candyman. OK, uh, so let's move on. I actually have some stats that we've touched in on each year. Uh, and I, I went and looked and I was like, oh, I wonder how much this has changed and if it's worth mentioning. And um, uh, the top four have all changed. Um, there's been some jockeying. There's been some changes. So uh, I figure, uh, figure first off, I'll tell you in 2020, our top five uh, from five to one was New York. Ohio, Oregon, Florida, and California at the top spot. Our top five states in 2021, again, New York. So that's our only our only state that stayed the same. Number four, Texas. So back into the top five. They had dropped out last year, um, but jumped back in. Number three, Florida, down one spot from number two. Number two, California, down one spot from number one, they've been dethroned. And I don't think, I think if I gave you three guesses, I don't know that you could pick who, what our number one state was this, this year. I'm going to give it to oh, you. Oh, really? I'm giving you three. It's not I'm, Oregon? I'm giving you three guesses. It's not Oregon. And it's, okay, that was my first guess. I thought for sure you were going to say, look at Oregon, like jumping up and being the number one now. Just throw them out there. <laughs> I'm going to say Chicago. Chicago, Illinois. Illinois. <laughs> uh, no, it's not Illinois. That has been a high high one for us in the past, yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking of like artistic hubs. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm trying to think of the cities. Um, I, I guess Washington. Washington, that's a decent guess, but it is not right. Wow. So our number one, and it was in our top five last year, but you overlooked it because I did too, Ohio. Ohio was our number one state. Shout out Ohio, man. That's awesome. Yeah, going hard. I love it. Very cool to hear. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how and why, but... Um, we're, we're, we're catching on in Ohio. It's very cool. There's a contingent of Ohioan listeners. I love that. that They're just like spreading the word. That's what it is. It's just that that gorilla, gorilla word of mouth kind of thing going on there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Once again, or- Oregon is out of the top five. They dropped out again. They were, I think they were out in the year previous and uh, then last year they got back in and they're out again. Wow. 
Uh, anyway, yeah, I think that's interesting. Uh, let's move on, however, to something that is always a bit more painful, and that is our worst read of the year. Now, in the previous times, we've called it, like, worst source material, worst book, whatever. So I'm just going read, because we call our episodes reads episodes, and I think it makes the most sense. And again, the full caveats are, this is only stuff that we covered on the podcast, so not anything we read outside of it, and it's not necessarily bad, it's just our least favorite. The worst read was Shadow and Bone. Shadow and Bone. Okay. Uh, you want to explain yourself? I enjoyed it as we were reading it. I, you know, I had a good time on the journey. It was like sort of a YA fantasy story that felt familiar and fun. I loved that, like the they had like the Russian influence and and like a lot of the like, cool cultural things that was brought in. Good world building. And I can see it's going to get you know better along the way probably because the books start to sort of become more unique but for me it was just it was that was the worst read for me so you felt like that was one you just carried with you the least of everything you read right that's kind of what it was for me looking at the list i was like which one of these do i feel like i thought about the least right and yeah that's kind of how i figured it out okay that's fair uh all right so i have a runner-up i don't always choose one but the the reason i wanted to include is because it was really neck and neck and i was i was struggling to pick between these two and i kind of could go either way my runner-up ended up being the legend of sleepy hollow uh, the story that the Sleepy Hollow film was based on, um, it Washington Irving, um, it, it, again, like uh, a lot of cool stuff surrounding it. Got to read about the guy. He's very interesting. But, you know, that older style is very floral. Not a lot happens. Um, so it's a little on the drier side. Um, I'm glad I read it because now I know where this this legend comes from that is like such an ingrained piece of Americana. Uh, so a lot of good stuff and positive vibes around it, but yeah, the read itself, like, I don't know, it just doesn't really hold up. It's, it's not super engaging. It's more interesting from a historical perspective. And, uh, and that leads me directly into my actual choice, which was the Pride and Prejudice novel. Wow. Um, which I was kind of holding back a chuckle when you chose that as your most surprising. Um, again, it, it's not like it was a bad book. Um, it just, I, when I think about the one I struggled with the most, like the book where we, someone asked us recently on a, on a Patreon episode, if we ever like DNF books and, and then change directions. And we have before with Paprika, but that was for different reasons. We've never like quit a book just because we, we, we didn't we weren't getting into it. Like it's always there's some sort of other extenuating circumstance. This was a book that I really struggled to get into. Um, and it was kind of a slog for me. Um, there, it was just a very old style and I, the subject matter just didn't really grip me. There were things to like about it, um, and I can see the appeal, but again, it just it felt like, man, this is just so far outside of my my comfort zone and the things that I like to read. Something about that, though, like I, I welcome the challenge sometimes, you yeah. know, like I'm like I'm into it and I, I like that it's like challenging me in ways, but I can I can definitely see it, you know, yeah. but it is another thing for me, like just having checked off the achievement of like. Now I've read this classic literature book that everyone should read. And, and that was like part of it for me. I agree. And, and like that. That is definitely true, and I wouldn't change it. Um, also, learning about Jane Austen, who is someone who yeah. I didn't know a lot about, but her story is really fascinating. Um, I actually felt, a lot, you know, I, I don't know, a lot of affection for her reading about the story. I was like, oh, she's very cool. Um, so, you know, don't don't regret it. Wouldn't change it. But that was my choice for the for the worst read of twenty twenty one. 
Time to cleanse the palate, though. Uh, I think we're going to move into best read. Uh, do you want to start, maybe, uh, and then I'll finish again since we're in the we're in the book category, and then we'll swap it up for for all the watching. Yeah, sure. I can start off. I have a runner up in this case, so I'm going to give my runner up, and then you can give your runner up, and then okay. I'll give my. Yeah, that sounds pick. good. Yeah, we can. Yeah, might as well talk about some good books, right? And I love doing this. Yeah. So my best read runner up. Okay. Is Dune. Okay. And, you know, it had, again, we were waiting a long time for this. I knew, like, the sort of legendary status of the book going in. And, you know, I think it hit the expectations. Like, I, part of why it's not surprising to me is that, like, it's this massive epic story that that people point to as, like, this intersection of fantasy and sci-fi. And getting to read it is really cool. And then getting to learn about Frank Herbert, too, uh, was really fascinating. And learning, like, how he was studying Dunes to, to sort of, like, get inspiration for the story so yeah that was my best read runner up yeah what a what a awesome project that was like covering dune is something i'll i'll re- definitely hold on to and remember from this season like i'll always think about and we covered like a random book episode in florida when i came down and uh, and then we had fonda on to cap it off so it's just like this this uh you know very unique experience covering covering that material and then covering even the, the 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 older movie later on we did on Patreon and like that's all a part of it now in my head and like I've played so many of these board games and stuff now like the world of Dune is something I'm just really into and we're going to get another Dune at some point uh, so you know we'll hopefully we'll be able to revisit it yeah yeah another one that's like in the pipeline and like maybe we'll we'll read Messiah as we do cover that depending on how Denis Villeneuve does Yeah we'll have to look into it and you know? see what what is actually going to be covered cuz there's a whole second half of the book he hasn't covered yet so that's going to be the thing This is a year that we didn't cover any Lord of the Rings and it kind of had become like a yearly thing yeah. other than our first season because our first season was shortened yeah. In our second, third, and fourth season, we we covered Lord of the Rings, and so I felt like in ser- in terms of like scope and like legendary status as a story, to cover Dune felt like sort yeah. of that same kind of feel that we were getting across. I agree. Yeah, kind of it kind of slotted into that epic zone. We also had Lo- a Wheel of Time, which kind of feels like that. Yeah. So like later right. in the year, um, and and ho- we do have more lord of the rings and in coming in the form of the hobbit which we want to do next year i know we want to do next year so that's a little preview of something we want to look forward to okay i got to give my runner up but before i give my actual runner up i have to give a couple honorable mentions we're in the book category so like i have a lot of thoughts about this um two honorable mentions and honestly i can't figure out how to slot them um the handmaid's tale by margaret atwood uh devastating book absolutely loved reading it and it's you know it it very affecting, brilliantly written. Like this is someone who writes poetry. I thought it was. I thought it was very, very good. Um, and yeah, definitely one I really liked. And to me, like right on the same level was Gone Girl. Uh, you know, Gone Girl is just so dark and so twisted and so cool. Uh, Gillian Flynn, author, and um, she's so cool. But like. The only reason it didn't crack my best read, ultimately, when I thought about it, is it's not my favorite Gillian Flynn novel I've read. I actually think I liked um, Sharp Objects a little more. Um, but they're really, they're both really, really good. And because it wasn't my favorite Gillian Flynn novel, I'm like, I can't give it best read. Um, so it has to be in the honorable mention category. But I love Gillian Flynn's writing. Like, I am a legitimate fan of her now. So I had to at least give it a the, the shout out. So since, you, since you're doing honorable mentions, I have to mention my honorable mention. Okay, yeah. And mention your honorable mention. <laughs> I have an honorable mention for uh, best read, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Right, yeah, that makes sense. I I would I would have thought that might have been your best. So I know you loved reading that one. 
I like I I wanted to do it and I I was like no I gotta I gotta you know parse it down to two but you're making me give it a third one because you you gave a couple honorable mentions yeah uh, just the the vibe of the story and the way like the sort of tone is like the exact sort of tone that I love in storytelling and well researched also like surreal like funny and uh, sprawling like uh, and very genre like like super super sci-fi gets into some weird concepts and stuff and uh, and it's like that British humor too that dryness that I love so all of those things like create a story that just like hits me perfectly what a tragic story too learning about Douglas Adams and his you know untimely death and uh, man what a talent to have lost and um, I, I'm so glad that I know about that now it's again it's like a piece of of the sci-fi fandom that I want to be informed about. So yeah, really, really good uh, episodes uh, that we did on that one. And yeah, you know, the adaptation didn't quite live up to that book, but that book is definitely a, a standout. And that's what I was like, honestly, like looking at the books we covered this year, I was struck how good they were. Holy crap. Was it hard to pick? Um, and, and so my, actually my best, I'm going to have you go with your best first because my best, and my runner-up are kind of a 1A and 1B, and I, I, I will explain why I chose the one I did, but it was almost essentially a tie. I just I made myself choose, but I want I want you to go ahead and give me your, what was your actual winner? My actual winner for best read this year, I think I even said as much on the episode when we recorded this, but it was Slaughterhouse-Five. Okay, Kurt Vonnegut, yeah. It was like this book and this, this author that I was always recommended, and like I've heard so much about Slaughterhouse-Five, and I... I just imagining what I thought Slaughterhouse Five could be about, it was not about what the story was about. <laughs> yeah, but I loved it. I loved every second of it. Sp- speaking of like surreal, comedic, dark, like like just the blend of the two, and then, and then and like, historical in a way. Like I feel like you learn a lot about you know World War Two and yeah, like the the whole Dresden bombing, which I didn't know a ton about um, until I read that book. You know, back in the day. I mean, one of my favorite authors, hands down. Period. In discussion. Kurt Vonnegut is amazing, and he was my, ultimately, my runner-up, my wow. 1A and 1B, and you know, like, when it came down to it, it's like, I, I I could easily give it to Slaughterhouse-Five, it's one of my favorite novels from one of my favorite authors, you know what I mean, like, it's it's incredible, it's, I think, my third time reading the book, um, and, and so maybe part of it is, like, the surprise factor isn't there. And the surprise factor, I think, is what gave gave my ultimate winner the win uh, because it was my first time reading it. And I was blown away with how much I fell in love with the book and the author's writing style. It was The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson. Yeah. Um, I, am, I am a Shirley Jackson fan now. I, I in, in thinking back about that coverage, I loved the book so much that I got a little bit in the weeds, I think, in my mind when it came to the adaptation of like recognizing what was good that was being done by Mike Flanagan. Um, I do think that the, you know, the adaptation had some problems, especially early on. And, you know, I, I stand by most of what I said. I just might've been a little harsher than I needed to be because I was coming off this high of like, Oh my God, I love this book. And I love this author. And then seeing him come in and do his thing. And it was so different. I was like, I don't know about this. Um, and usually I'm pretty, I'm pretty good about not, necessarily falling into that like fan trap of like letting your your sort of fanishness get over get overtake your ability to see what's actually good um which can happen to people sometimes and yeah i mean if, i think it happened to me a little bit um but regardless the book is amazing and if, if you if you are frustrated with my my takes on the show um just know that it comes from a place of love for the book because i really did love it and i want to cover some more shirley jackson now so badly yeah 
And if for some reason you were listening to the Haunting of Hill House like adaptation coverage in the first half and you felt like you, your your opinions didn't line up with Luke's, maybe listen to the second half as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like... I did come around a little bit because I think the show gets better as it goes and especially some of the some of the late episodes. are And like some of the things that are going to stick with me the most, again, we talk about this year, like some of those episodes, uh, there are moments in them that I, are going to stick with me because they were absolutely incredible. The one that's in the funeral parlor, like with the whole that family wonder, when they first get that back series together. Of oh my god, so good, yeah. Uh, so in- incredible filmmaking going on. Um, but we're not talking about adaptations right now. We're talking about the reads, and I got to give it to Shirley Jackson uh, again. Another tragic figure who died too young, and um, just has this awesome legacy. Who's influenced for people like Stephen King and other authors, Neil Gaiman, people that we we have admired and, and loved. Um, you know, a lot of it goes back to Shirley Jackson. So um, you know, queen of horror. Love it. That's awesome. Okay, man. Uh, so those are the reads. Uh, we're going to save our adaptations for a minute here, but let's get into our top five countries we were downloaded in. Uh, again, I'm going to go over what they were last year. Last year, they were from five to one, Germany, Ireland, Australia, Canada, UK. Once again, we had a little bit of jockeying for position here. We had some changing of some positions. So this year, we have a newcomer into the top five. At number five, we have Belgium. Wow. Which awesome. is very cool. And you know what? I've seen on some, we have these like subscriptions where they send us emails about where we're ranked in certain top 100 lists and stuff, uh, like rankings on podcasts, you know, like Apple Podcasts worldwide. And we've ranked in Belgium a few times. Um, and I, I would originally occasionally see, oh, we're in Belgium for whatever reason at whatever slot. And we've ranked at Belgium. And I was like, OK, that's cool. And I guess this is like I don't know if this if this leads to the ranking or if the ranking is because of this. But one way or another, we are doing well in Belgium. Very cool. So shout out to all our Belgium listeners that are in Belgium and you listen. Like, thank you for, for checking us out. And I'm going to continue the trend of saying, like, all the places that were downloaded in internationally, like, I want to go visit. Yeah. Like, I would love to go to, like, on vacation or just to go yeah. visit Belgium. Isn't Bruges in Belgium? I th- I think so, but Who we have to go to Belgium. Like, I, well, I want to go to Belgium. Br- and Bruges looks amazing. Like, all the Gothic <laughs> architecture, all the, all the aqueducts. What is it they say? <laughs> yeah, it's a great movie. And you're totally right. I just made sure it's it's definitely in Belgium. Bruges is in so. Belgium. I, th- yeah, I thought I remember that from the movie. Yeah, so I wonder if we've been downloaded in, in Bruges. That would be know? amazing. If you if you listen to our podcast in Bruges, you have to tell us. Like It's a legally <laughs> binding contract to, to now that you have to tell us. Um, okay, number four was Germany. Again, Germany has, I think, been in our top five every year since we've been tracking it. Um, again, Germany coming through. Number four. Very, very cool. So awesome. I'd love to visit. Yeah. Now, (laughs) (laughs) I agree. Uh, Now, number three is Canada, who dropped out of the top two, dropped back to number three, and they were replaced with Australia, who overtook Canada. I think is interesting, right? Like getting some more Australian listens. Uh, Good eye. Love to hear that. Don't don't do that. I'm gonna (laughs) gonna scare them off now. I think they're all going. (laughs) I'm sure they all love Americans doing Australian accents. That's what they love to hear, right? Right, right, right. Uh, Um, and then, yeah, number one is the UK again. Uh, UK has, I think, consistently been our number one outside the US. I haven't actually been to the UK, and I would love to go. Um, I obviously know a lot about it. watch a lot of shows set there. We cover stuff that's made there. Um, it would be very cool to actually go there. I want, I want to go to London. I want to go all around. I also want to go out to, like, Scotland and Ireland, I think would be really cool. So um, Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to do it. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, it's still amazing to me that we are – 
downloaded in all these other countries like that. It's very cool. It's very humbling to think about people taking time out of their day who are complete strangers and another side of the world to listen to us talk about books and movies. Yeah, it's very, very cool. And we're very appreciative. All right, man. I think our, our next up here is going to be worst watch. And uh, I guess I guess I'll go first. And that way you can you can finish out since I did the same for books. Um, worst worst watch, a.k.a. worst adaptation of the year. Um, I wonder if we're going to have the same choice here. I think we might, but I could be wrong. I, I don't know where you're going to go with this. So for me, we go all the way back to the beginning of the year with The Stand. Um, one of my favorite Stephen King novels uh, historically. I will say that reading it post-COVID took a little bit of the shine off. I still really like that book. Um, but I, I don't know. Something about the idea of this world-ending pandemic was was so much more interesting pre-COVID than it was post-COVID. Yeah. Um, Once you live it, yeah, you're like, eh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, I don't know. Especially it's, because like people didn't actually react the ways that you thought that they might in a yeah, pandemic. Yeah, you, you're, you're, you're constantly engaging with it in ways now about like how does that line up to how I think people would actually behave now that I have some evidence for it. Um so, but anyway, I mean, it's still a good book. Still, still a great book, honestly, and one of my yeah. favorite Stephen King books. And then we get this adaptation that it starts off in like a muddled, sort of disjointed, chronologically first episode where uh, they just, in, instead of showing the fall of society as it happens, they jump all the way ahead to the uh, the, I don't want to spoil anything, but they jump all the way ahead to some things that happen later in the book you know, post fall of society and they intercut it with pre fall of society. And it makes her really disjointed watch. And, but ultimately what's funny is like, I say all that and that still might've been the best episode because from there it, it, it kind of starts going downhill. There's a couple of good ones. I remember a couple of good ones early that we liked, but by the end of the season, like the last three or four episodes, it was just getting worse and worse and worse. And, uh, everything they did in Las Vegas, I hated. And, there were some really offensive portrayals. The The plot was a mess. The, it felt like they lost the soul of the book for a while. There's just a lot there that frustrated me, and it left me with a real sour taste in my mouth, and it, it was, ugh. I, I, I was really bummed because I, I wanted a great stand adaptation so badly, and this just wasn't it to me. Yeah. Knowing, like, all the great adaptations we got this year and then seeing what is possible if not handled deftly yeah is it's really frustrating like you said and that was my number one pick for worst watch as okay well. so we're, we're it's, yeah that's our first uh lineup there where we've had the same choice at least so yeah consistent it just again it, it, it comes up to like expectations and matching up to the source material in that case like just like it really was a was a letdown and like there were things that i liked about it I just, but i just i wanted so badly for it to become like this like you know imagine like it being handled perfectly and us now looking back at it as like this shining example of like a and, and like who's to say it isn't a network sort of situation too because i know it was like cbs all access and yeah right and, uh, and there that's was sort of we like, talked about it i think that the script changed hands a bunch of times and right. it got rewritten a bunch of times and anytime that happens you're like mm. imagine hbo or netflix getting a hold of it and like really giving its due and like i, I don't know 
It's unfortunate. And, you know, the other bummer is that we're probably not going to see an adaptation of The Stand for a very long time now, too. Yeah, I doubt it. And, and you know, in a post-COVID world, do we really need it? I don't know. Maybe, maybe. We, we're getting plenty of Stephen King adaptations. And honestly, I'm kind of happy to see some other stuff that, I you know, that hasn't been adapted yet or that hasn't been adapted in a long, long time. So we're, all we have left to do is to, to do our best watch and looking ahead to 2022. But before we get into that, uh, I wanted to break down some of our most downloaded episodes for people. Um, and the reason we like to do that is you can kind of get a feel for like what's hot. What's the ones that people have been going back to, have been telling their friends about, and uh, has been shooting up the ranks. Um, the one caveat I will give again is that everything that comes out earlier in the year is going to have a big advantage on stuff that came out late in the year. So like The Green Knight, for example, you know, a lot of our Wheel of Time coverage, these all just came out and have almost no chance to overtake stuff that has been out longer than that. So uh with, the, with those caveats, I still think it's interesting um, because people listen to these last like, episodes and maybe they didn't listen to everything, right? And maybe they want to know, like, hey, what, what did I miss that, that is, like, the stuff that people keep going back to? These are going to be them. I will go through 10 through 6 quickly. So, at number 10, Makeup Before Wake Up, which was our Murder on the Orient Express movie episode. This is another thing we changed this year. Uh, we started including, like, a little title for our episodes um, and a little pull quote that was this year. And in fact, we didn't do it for the stand. So uh, we didn't even do it the full year, Um, but that's something that we started doing. And I I like it. I think it gives the episodes a little more unique character um, and and like a a specific title. So that was number 10, number nine, a crescendo of dread, which was our read of the hunting of Hill house. Number eight, the little hand flex, which was our watch episode for pride and prejudice with Jennifer Hudak on as our, as our guest. Then number seven was the anonymous G-O-A-T, which was our read of Pride and Prejudice, uh, which came right before it. So Pride and Prejudice was a very popular project. Those two episodes both landed in our top 10. That's really telling, too, because it's like maybe our audience wants us to to sort of tackle things outside. Well, I've looked at our our demographics and as far as everything I've seen, we skew a little bit more towards women, um, which I think is partially because women read more. Um, But, you know, maybe maybe. women want us to cover stuff like Pride and Prejudice and see what our take on it would be because guys like us typically don't cover that kind of thing. So, you know, I'm, I'm down to do it. So, yeah, it was cool. And this was a good Patreon selection, um, and, and we had fun covering it. Okay, and then number six, um, and I wanted to shout this one out in particular because it is our newest episode of all the ones in the top ten, and that's We're All Knife Fighters Now, our Dune Watch episode with Fonda Lee. Um, it came out on October 28th, so we're talking like two months ago, basically, and yet has cracked our top 10. Uh, very cool episode. Definitely check that one out if you missed it. I have a feeling that one will continue to, to <laughs> it, pull right. in some, gonna, some tablets. Yeah, continue to do well. Um, but that, that's not in our top five. So let's go through our top five. Number five, we have Eighth Wall Break, which was our read of The Never Ending Story. Um, and that was one that exp- surprised me a little bit. Um, I was excited to see that it crack our top five. Uh, you know, again, it's this Mikkel Inda novel that I think this is the kind of stuff we do some of these every year where people go, oh, yeah, I always wondered what that book was like, because they know it's like a movie they've seen. A lot of people saw this movie, but they never read the book. Um, so a lot of people are like that. And then there are people who did read the book and want to, like, see what we thought of it. But um, I, yeah, I think that's a cool one uh, for people, kind of like what we did with like Jaws or Die Hard or Godfather, where it's like maybe a lot of people have seen the movie, but they didn't even know it was based off a book or they haven't ever read it. And they're just curious. Hey, what's that? What's that book like? I think that's one like that. Our never ending story episode on the book 
a very good one, and I definitely recommend you check it out. Uh, you know, another one that comes to mind like that is Howl's Moving Castle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, historically, has done really well. And it's one of those ones that I think people have seen the anime and don't know that there's a source material to it. And, yeah, Diana and like, Wynn-Jones. Even if they do, have they have they read it? Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Uh, okay, number four, Trillion's Choice, which was our watch of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy with Tyler Clawson. Uh, so our watching of the movie did really well. Um, and, 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 and in fact, is the only Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy episode in our top ten. Um I kind of feel bad because I know we we uh, were critical of that movie. Um, I was kind of I thought there was a chance it might crack your 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 worst watches of the year, but um, the stand is is really kind of in a separate tier than this. So uh, you know, uh, we are into our top three now. Uh, any predictions? Anything that could have cracked top three, or you Oof. completely don't know? I think it's possible that we see Scott Pilgrim here. Maybe. Mm, I like I like the thinking. I mean, that's a popular movie. Uh, and definitely Brian Lee O'Malley has some fans, but it, he, uh, Scott Pilgrim is not in our top three, which means Scott Pilgrim is in our top 10. Um, but you're in the right time frame because we covered the lie. I want gone girl. Our read episode on that book is at number three. Um, Gillian Flynn. Uh, this is a massive novel like this. So many people read this book when it came out. Um, and then it was a huge movie too. So, uh, just a, a big project. Um, I think, you know, it always helps when you have on a big guest um, and Rebecca Drake is, is, is a great uh, one of one of the people I know from Seton Hill who writes in this genre. She joined us for the movie episode. And I think that drives people to that first episode, too. Right. Like they want to start the project for the episode that has the guest on they're interested in. So I think that contributes to that. Um, but that's our, our number three slot, our number two slot. Um, and the reason I just brought up what I did. The number two spot is The Mistake of the Decade, which was our first Dune read episode, our number two episode of the year. I once again think this is a little bit of the Fonda Lee effect. I think a lot of, I mean, it was popular regardless. Dune was always going to be popular. And then on top of that, you have a you have an, a guest that a lot of people are interested in. They probably go back to that first episode and check it out because they're curious to see what we thought of the book, right? So, uh, yeah, number two, actually higher than Fonda's episode, but it did come out three weeks earlier. And when we're in these top five, they're actually pretty close. Um, so, um, I, you know, it, who knows what would have happened if we had a little bit more time in the year. But um, I, I put the cutoff date on the 31st and, and this is what it was. OK, and then that leaves our number one. Uh, we're, we're already we've been we sort of been going in this fashion. So you might predict what this one is. And that's lost in the contrast. Gone Girl movie episode with Rebecca Drake, our number one episode of 2021. We got to talk about David Fincher. Uh, It was a great guest episode and uh, just a a good movie, a cool movie, a cool project. I mean, it doesn't surprise me, but yeah, absolutely. Like you have David Fincher, you have Gillian Flynn, you have Rebecca Drake, like all of those, all of those are like, you know, mixed up in this. And then, and, and like, of course, like there's a lot to talk about with that story too. Like it's a fun sort of reveal. I think all of us knew it, obviously. I think all of us knew the twists for the most part, but maybe forgot some of the details. Um, and in coming up with a sort of honorable mention uh, for for best adaptation, for best, not adaptation, but best watch this year, um, I was going to have this as an honorable mention. Gone Girl. So this is like a second honorable mention. Yeah, a yeah. Gone Girl film. Yeah. Yeah, I totally feel you, man. It um, It's a good movie. Um, you've said that it's, it's like not your favorite Fincher movie though um, i don't think so yeah. yeah and i think i would agree with that I, I haven't seen as many of his movies as you have but i still think i would agree with that so um 
still very cool project and um i think it's a, a worthy one to be our most downloaded all right man uh we're gonna get into our best watch of the year the moment we've all been waiting for we've covered what would you say like 18 projects this year many of them tv yeah. shows and at the end of it we have to decide what was the cream of the crop what was the best adaptation i have a couple of honorable mentions that i'm going to throw out then you can give yours then i'll give my runner-up then i'll give my top pick um again it's you know this we like talking about good stuff and there's a lot to like here so my couple of honorable mentions are to first off no country for old men which somehow is a project we haven't mentioned yet um and it's one of my like i love this movie and i think it's a great adaptation of the source material um and i don't know just it's fantastic great performances all around Love the vibe of this movie. Love the craft that went into the movie. Great. I actually think that's like a really good episode we recorded on it. I know it's not in the top 10, but I think it's a great one. Um, so, yeah, absolutely love No Country for Old Men. But ultimately, not as much as the things that won. Um, my other honorable mention, I wanted to pick my favorite TV show. And my favorite TV show of the year that we covered, I know I talked a lot about Haunting of Hill House being being good in retrospect, but it doesn't take the cake for me. The top choice for me was The Handmaid's Tale season one. Um, I thought that was excellent. I thought it was a great adaptation of the novel. And I know that people have a lot of opinions about what maybe happens later. I haven't watched any more of it yet. Um, but just as like a standalone, almost mini series, I thought it was really, really good. I mean, there's a reason that that story and that that like IP just took the world by storm. You know, it was already popular, obviously, as a novel. And then this adaptation was everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, and I hadn't seen it. So it was cool to like have this thing that I had, again, been blind to and I finally got to experience and see what all the hype was about. And it was well-deserved. Fantastic performances all around. Um, I could see why this thing was winning Emmys. Uh, very, very good. And my top choice for TV of the year, which means my, my runner-up and my best selection are both movies. But I won't give those yet. You want to tell me about your honorable mentions? Yeah, so I already mentioned Gone Girl was very close to being... It might as well be an honorable mention. I mean, honestly. you've mentioned it at this film, point, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been mentioned. These two aren't very similar in terms of their actual story, but in terms of the filmmakers and I think just like overall how, how audiences feel about them, um, one of them is more popular. So I'll start off with the one that's less popular. And I think it's Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Really? Okay. I remember when this movie came out. I know out. you're a big Edgar Wright guy. Yeah, huge yeah. Edgar Wright fan. And and I remember when this movie came out and there was a lot of people talking shit about this movie. Yeah. And over time, I think it's gotten like it's it's day in the sun. I think it obviously plays up the manic pixie dream girl thing yeah. way more, obviously, even than the, the other story does. But they both well, have and I, it. I still just I still kind of hate Scott. And so I've always struggled with that. Yeah. So that that movie is just cool to me like I, it just oozes it is a style cool movie. it's absolutely it's, cool. it's and it's like got humor to it yeah. it's got expert craft to it it's it's that like sort of filmmaker filmmakers filmmaker it's got mary elizabeth winstead in it which we're both big fans of <laughs> she's awesome yeah she's great yeah you know maybe we both have a little bit of crushes on her who knows <laughs> yeah no yeah no question my other honorable mention is carrie yeah, I could see that, and and I thought about it. I thought about putting it up there, um, especially just for the sequence in the in the um, in the. It's amazing. In yeah. The dance. It's it's like horror royalty, you know, and like you watch it, and it's so Hall of Fame sequence for like all of horror film. 
seems like. right and and like it, it affected a filmmaker like edgar wright like edgar wright has this in his list of like favorite films i know for a fact and brian de Palma is such an interesting filmmaker such a powerful filmmaker like such a strong voice um i just i, I love both of those movies and i thought they deserved their honorable mentions yeah i can feel you man i'm, I'm kind of glad they're different um i have a feeling we're gonna have one or two similars coming up here um but let me first give my runner-up now this was very difficult much like my best read these two came down to the wire. Um, and I, I honestly don't know that I have like a great defense for why I chose what I did other than like gut reaction. Where do I feel like I'll be in five years looking back? That kind of stuff. So ultimately, my runner up is The Green Knight. We just covered it. It's our Christmas project. Um, and so there's a lot, I know there's a potential for a lot of recency bias here, right? We just did it, but that movie is so freaking good. Um, I love talking about it with you and Eric and breaking down what made it amazing. The visuals are absolutely stunning. Um, David Lowry, right? Uh, a filmmaker I didn't know about, but mm-hmm. I am, I'm going to be watching now anything he comes out with. I'm going to be curious, right? Like what, what is, what is he doing next? Because he's young and he made a great fantasy movie that is, is weird and um, one of the things I love most about this movie, and I don't know if I really got to touch on it in the episode, it is the aesthetic that I love in my fantasy. When I write fantasy, like I, I love uh, the idea of something that feels kind of like this movie. Um, it's something that has always appealed to me. If I had to put my finger on something, too, that I wanted to mention in that episode is it's like there's like a mystery to it. Yeah. And like a sort of like that that's like an untouchable mystery. You can't sort of put your finger on it. And in, and a danger to it. It's just like feels like ominous presence like of, of danger over you the whole time. And like, yeah, I, I totally agree that tone. I love that kind of stuff. It's amazing. We spent that was like one of our longest episodes of the year, maybe our longest. And we uh, I still feel like I could have talked about that movie for another hour. Like, I yeah. still feel like there was so much left unsaid. Someone re- mentioned uh, in the comments that uh, we didn't mention how good Dev Patel was in, in this role. And uh, I think we kind of said like all the performances were great, but totally right. Like we didn't highlight the specific performance that he gave, which was incredible. And there's so many things like that where I look back and go like, Oh, I didn't talk about this. I didn't talk about this. I should have, but I mean, time constraints, it always, it always comes back to bite us. Yeah. Unfortunately, like it had to be implied that time, but yeah, yeah it's totally shout him out here. Like he's, he killed that role. Yeah. That's so cool. Honestly, like career defining role for, for, in my opinion, like yeah. he's, he totally crushed that. So my runner up, and this was close too, because realistically, like I had another honorable mention that I should have, that I should have mentioned a second ago, which is no country for old men. The Coen brothers, yeah. like, like it, it should have been an honorable mention for me as well. How can it, how can it not be right? Coen brothers, right. like, man, it's, it's, I, when I saw, when I saw it on the list, I was like, I have to, the words, no country for old men have to come out of my mouth because this movie's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's unbelievable that, that talk about like masters of their craft. Like those guys are like on top of the world. Well, And we got to talk about Cormac McCarthy, you know, which was super fun. Uh, such an interesting guy. Like I, I am so excited to potentially cover, uh, the road one day or something else. I, I think we've mentioned there were a few others that have been adapted from him. He's an author. I want to go back to uh, very unusual style, but um, something that was very engaging to me at least. Right. But getting to my runner up, okay. uh, it's funny because I think these last two are going to be similar for us. Uh, oh, yeah? It's green Knight. My runner up is green Knight. Really? And okay. I, it almost took the number one spot for me. It was, it was, on, it was a razor's edge. It was, it was me so too. close. 
And um, yeah, I, I the Green Knight to me was like going into a movie, not really knowing what to expect and walking out like just just knowing that I witnessed something that I'll remember forever. You know what I mean? One of those movies that like I'll think about the this the scene in the in the beginning where the Green Knight shows up and like the, the, the sort out of in the, out in the woods, the uh, the sort of ambush. What a what an interesting scene! Like and and the after effects of that, like very very cool. Yeah, one of my favorite scenes too that we talked about in the episode is that you brought it up actually is the the sort of he's he's tied up in the forest yeah. and then it pans away, it does a three sixty. Yeah, dude, that fucking scene's awesome. So cool. And and it's like one of those scenes where it's just like a filmmaker being like, "You better come, like you're coming along with everything, <laughs> or you're walking out of the theater." Like I, I just think it's so awesome. It's like in such an extended sequence that's like so meaningful and awesome and cinematic, and yeah. I just loved it. And it's a movie that's not going to appeal to everybody. It's a ve- it's a very particular kind of thing, and it's going to appeal to a particular kind of audience. And we're we're that audience. I meant to say this in the episode that we recorded too. Like, I I don't want that that movie to feel like gatekeepy to people. I don't. I really hope that it doesn't come off that way because I do think that that's like sort of some of these really um, just like odd films that come out sometimes. Like The Lighthouse is another one that I think people jump onto and sort of it becomes a trend. I think The Green Knight is a good example too because it's like people jump on to the popularity of it and. Like whether they want to dig into it or not, they walk out and they just say like, oh, it's great. It was just this, this incredible filmmaking experience and and like what a story. And then like sort of say like if you don't like it, you don't get it right. and like that sort of stuff. And I hate when movies when people try to do that with movies. Yeah. And I hate to be a part of a trend like that. So I hope that it's. Well, the, and we see the same thing in, in writing all the time, too. So, yeah, this is just art. Right. So I hope that it doesn't come off that way. Yeah. yeah. Well, because like you know it's it's it ultimately comes down to personal preference and something that is like a filet mignon right like it's it's this like fancy crafted you know maybe not completely filling in some ways but it's this 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 cut that people love but like not everybody is going to choose that right like maybe they don't think it's worth the money or maybe they don't think that they'd rather have more food right and it's going to be kind of small like there are things that make people not like it even if like the taste is really good so like yeah it, i think that art can be kind of like that too right like it's it's not necessarily for everyone and that's okay um i think it's worth giving it a shot though cuz you never know if it's for you until you try it um and I, and i also want to shout out green knight for another reason and that's the level of difficulty in the adaptation, I think is very, very high. We're talking about a 1300s poem written by an anonymous poet that is written in Middle English. Now, it has been translated, but still. Um, talk about a tall task when it comes to adapt something for a modern audience um, and try and make an interesting movie for, uh, yeah, that's that's tough. And, you know, again, I think bonus points just for the level of difficulty. Right. And then us just like being fantasy people, yeah. like fantasy nerds, just like, it's just like, it feels like it was made in a way for us. And I, I don't know, we just responded well to it. So honorable mention for both of us. Go ahead and lead off with your, your best watch of the year. Okay. I'm going to say my best. And if yours is the same, maybe we should just talk about it at the same time. I don't know. Um, so mine was Dune. Uh, big surprise there. Uh, Denny Villeneuve. Is that yours as well? That was mine as well. Yeah, no question. Okay, so let's just talk about Dune um, a little bit here. Uh, Fantastic movie. I know that it has some detractors out there, but to me, that's like sometimes that's a sign of something that I'm going to love even more. It's got things about it that it took risks with. 
Um, now, some there is some very valid criticism about representation, um, a lot of issues surrounding that. Like, I'm not uh, of the background where I was like very like aware of that going into it. Um, I just read some stuff here or there, and then like it was pointed out after the fact, after I'd seen it already. I saw some of the criticisms, and I was like, yeah, that's that's fair. That's a good criticism. So I kind of have to set that aside. Um, and, and some people can't, some people say like, that is a deal breaker for me. And now the movie sucks. And like, I respect that. Like if, if, if that, if you want to draw that line in the sand for you, I can't argue with you. Like I, I get it. Um, for me, I have to, I set it aside. I say like, yeah, I wish he was better about representation. I hope they're better in the sec than the sequel. Um, but it doesn't to me change the fact that it was an amazing movie that I loved. Um, you could talk about, there's some, some, you know, potential fat shaming stuff that goes on in the movie. Okay. I still love the movie. It's still a great movie. Masterfully made, amazing visuals, brilliantly acted, amazing cast. Um, extremely high level of difficulty. Talking about level of difficulty. Dune is is an almost impossible thing to adapt. Um, and we got these two adaptations that ta- tackled it in very different ways. We talked about, and sometimes to success, sometimes to failure. Um, but man, Denny Villeneuve just, I, it felt like he... He was like, I'm going to take this thing on this just immense thing. And, and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to knock it out of the park and I'm going to do it in a way that only I can do it. And, uh, he delivered, which like talk, like level expectation was so high and then to have someone actually deliver. Amazing. All right. You're right. tell me, tell me, tell me what you think. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Denis Villeneuve. So we've been, we've been building up to this for a long, long time. Um, and you know, I was, I was, I'm trusting of Denny Villeneuve. I think that he can pull off anything he sets his mind to. He's easily one of the strongest working directors today. And um, some things that stand out to me about this film are like when I think of the film now in my mind, and I've only seen it the once. I, I will see it again. Oh, twice technically. I watched it at home. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it a full time twice, and then I've I've seen parts of it several other times since then. Yeah. So t- I've seen it twice, basically back to back, and. The, the, when I shut my eyes and think about the movie, the thing that stands out to me is these moments of introspection that the characters have with like um, Spice floating around them. There's moments of like Duke Leto and like when he wakes up in the night and like there's there's just these moments where you're like living in this world with these characters like and very human humanistic things that like you can identify with and see in the mannerisms of the performances and things like that. Some movies do this really well. And I, and I think some don't some some make their worlds feel cold and and like soulless sometimes by sort of just like hitting all of the the bullet points that they need to hit and like something about just like how spiritual the movie feels and like how it's it's i, I don't know it's almost indescribable and like you talked about it's it's when you read the source material you're like nobody could ever adapt this satisfyingly like you've seen david lynch's and he was like this is the worst experience of my life I hated it <laughs> and like just the idea of trying to tackle it, you know, knowing that he's going to do more makes me happy. But yeah, the performances were the the, the cast was absolutely perfectly casted. Um, the visuals are just like, you know, groundbreaking in a way that like we were we talked a little bit, I think, in this episode where, you know, things that are going to stand the test of time and things that people will remember. Like I just talked about Green Knight it was something that I'll think about forever. This this I genuinely feel that like Dune, Denny Villeneuve's Dune is this generation's Star Wars to to the point that like and maybe not the, maybe not the box office like like, you know, home run that everything in Star Wars always is. And it sells all this merch and everything, but it is going to have this like lasting 
like it'll have this lasting impact of changing the landscape of sci-fi films and changing the landscape of like epic fantasy stories like going forward. And, and the the one thing that I think where that comparison falls a little flat for me is that Star Wars is a very broadly appealing adventure, fun overall tone, and Dune isn't that. It's like if you t- if you made a weird, dark uh, version of a of a Star Wars that isn't going to appeal to everybody and yet is made to be a blockbuster and like and still achieve that. Um, it, and I don't know, that's that's fascinating to me. And I want to believe that it'll have that kind of a legacy. Um, and, and I think what, what he does with sequels will will play into that. The way that I think like kids, teenagers, people seeing this film they now will view this movie and it's going to like I think it's just going to embed in kids minds and in people's minds. And it's going to create in the same sort of way that Star Wars or Lord of the Rings did for me, like that, that like lasting impact of saying like this is the kind of thing that feels like it wasn't created of this world, of this earth. It's what's you know what possible I mean? like someone- in movies, right? Like it's going to blow your mind. Like I didn't even think this was possible. And then to see it, you're like, holy cow. You know, there's only like a few people in existence who could ever have done it. And like, I'm just so happy that Denny decided to take it on. And like, the guy is just, he's like unstoppable. Like, like what could he possibly not tackle at this point? Like, I'm still in in shock with the fact that he made a sequel to Blade Runner that was like satisfying and also like just a great film. I might like it better than the first one, which I know is controversial, but fantastic movie in my opinion. Um, I just wanted to comment on something that Villeneuve does incredibly well. And I think it's also present in The Green Knight. And it's that his visuals inspire awe. And they make you feel like you're in the presence of something that is so big and um, awesome in the truest sense of the word. That is humbling. And he's able to achieve that with like size and scale and perspective and make you feel small in, in the in expanse of this massive desert or make you feel uh, just awestruck at the way that these spacecraft are coming down out of the sky and the, the visuals just, it, it makes you feel like I'm just a tiny person in this amazing universe. And Green Knight does similar things. Um, you know, thinking about him looking at the giants or even just like when he's leaving the... Uh, the castle at the beginning and just looking out of the landscape and how it lingers on that scene. And he feels like he is going out into the world. And um, I don't know, I, I talk about like amazing visuals and I realized that there was this overlap of a certain feeling that I think both filmmakers are really good at achieving. And that's that, that awestruck, you know, laid bare looking at something incredible. And uh, both of them do it really well. And I, I guess I'll give it to Dune as, as being, like hitting that note for me more and more because I am I am a, such a sucker for it. Like I just love that in movies. Yeah, there's something about like believability within the world too. Like you take it as the real world and you're so invested in it and and like yeah, this like immense sense of like purpose and importance to what's happening and and like yeah, I I totally agree. Yeah, like uh, epicness. Like this is this is a moment that is truly worth telling about. Um, and both of yeah. those movies once again achieved it really well. Uh, okay, so that was our best watch of the year. So let's look forward to 2022. It is tech- We are in that year now, but still, uh, we are not in our new season. Our new season is still a few weeks away, and we will be 
potentially covering some of these projects. These are things coming out. Um, whether or not we'll get to them will depend on scheduling, but there's a lot of adaptations that have been announced. Um, again, things can be delayed, but um, that I, I have my eye on and uh, I'm definitely looking at. And there's some things that we know we want to tackle uh, in the coming years. I think both of those are on the table. All right, I think let's just go back and forth and, and you know, set, tell them to each other. I'm going to start with The Hobbit, which is one we mentioned earlier. Um, I, I'm not necessarily looking forward to the movies, the Peter Jackson movies. Um, I am in a way, you know, even though like, you know, we're going to have a lot to say about them, but I am sort of looking forward to it. <laughs> I'm kind of uh, yeah, I'm kind of dreading them a little bit, but at the same time, kind of looking forward to it. But I am definitely looking forward to covering that book. Getting back to Tolkien uh, will be fun. Um, and, and really, I feel like closing out our Tolkien coverage in a way that is, you know, deserving. Like we, it's kind of, yeah, it's a missed thing that we haven't done The Hobbit yet. We got to do The Hobbit. So I want to do that next year. I think we will. So stay tuned for that. Uh, what do you got? I do. It's funny because I do think we've mentioned, we may have even said in our last, last looks in 2020, like the end of, Oh no, I think we did. We mentioned like, we want to cover The Hobbit. We absolutely meant to cover The Hobbit this year. Um, it ended up getting pushed mostly because of Wheel of Time, um, ended up coming out and a few things kind of stacked up at the end of the year and it got pushed. But yeah, I would look for The Hobbit next year for sure. Um, hopefully in the first half of the year, I would think fairly, fairly early on. So one of the things that came out that I was really looking forward to that I thought we may even cover last year uh, is foundation. Interesting. Okay. And um, it's something that like, I, you know, it's Isaac Asimov, yes. right? Who is like a, a figure that I think it would be, you know, worthy to cover. And like, I don't yeah. know if he's got a checkered past or whatever, but like we'll, we'll find <laughs> he out absolutely about it. absolutely does. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I would definitely be interested in the foundation. Um, okay. So I got another one here. Uh, there's a, there's a movie coming out called The Black Phone. Which I don't know if you remember. I think, Scott Derrickson, right? I think so. Um, I know for a fact it's it's um, based on a Joe Hill short story. And one of the things that appeals to me immediately when I heard that is I said, oh, okay, we can do a short story and movie combo episode. Love that. That's easy. Um, and, you know, it's a new movie. It'd be fun to go see. And we haven't talked about Joe Hill yet, who is the son of Stephen King, right? So I feel like we got to touch on Joe Hill at some point. He's had several adaptations made now, too. Yeah, yeah, no, I I think we almost covered Nosferatu or we thought about it or something yeah, like that. Yeah, we thought we were thinking about it. It was a TV show, so I think it ended up not happening. Yeah. He also has had horns, I think, adapted from one of his things. So Oh, really? I didn't know that was yeah, him. I've him. Seen that. Yeah. yeah, so so again, he's, he's had some stuff made these days. And I think Lock and Key he might be a part of, too. Like, he's he's pretty prolific. Scott Derrickson, I'm pretty certain, directed uh, The Black Phone and... and He's one of those directors that like I just like I I like his opinions. Like I'm happy that he's out there. I don't know him at all. Like have I have I seen yeah. something that he's made? Follow, follow him on Twitter. No, I think I think you'd I think you'd be into his stuff too. Okay, uh, cool. All right. So the next one for me actually technically came out, um, but I haven't seen it yet. And I will hold off if we cover it. And you were talking about Shakespeare earlier. Yeah. It's the tragedy of Macbeth. Yeah. Denzel Washington. <laughs> Dude, I have heard that this movie is amazing like one of the best of the year yeah and i'm upset that i haven't seen it yet because it you know, that just movie, came out that movie's out yeah i think it had like an official like limited release in like on christmas okay so maybe it's not wide yeah. yet but it'll go wide at some point i don't think it's wide yet so yeah denzel washington francis mcdormand who's maybe my favorite act like one of my favorite actors um brendan gleason totally love brendan gleason as well and it is directed by joel cohen one of the cohen yeah. brothers God, it looks so good, man. From that trailer, I was like, uh, okay, we. I, I agree. If we're going to do Shakespeare, this could be the way to do it, right? Macbeth, 
uh, Denzel. Like, it would be very cool to get into that. Um, and I've heard that it's great, yeah, too. It so it's like, like it's not like it's going to be just an okay adaptation. I mean, right? I don't know how we're going to possibly be like, hey, we're just going to do a quick week on Macbeth. Knock it out. Yeah. <laughs> knock it out real quick. People like devote their entire careers to to Macbeth, you know. Uh, we can only do what we can do, yeah. though. We can just tell tell our opinions on it and try to get what we ingested on that read sort of thing. Yeah, that's all we can do. Uh, okay, so I got another one for you. Uh, there has been a new Salem's Lot adaptation announced. It's going to be coming out, I think, Netflix, but I, don't quote me on that. I'm not sure. So a new Stephen King project. It seems like there's always another one down the pike, but I know Salem's Lot was very early in his career. Um, we just covered Carrie, which is an early career Stephen King thing. But I like the idea of covering Stephen King stuff that's coming out now, right? Like it keeps him, it, it's, 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 you know, topical and, uh, it's a vampire story, which I do have, I do have a soft spot for. So I'm, I'm excited to see like a Stephen King vampire story. Now I've read another one he did, um, can't remember the name of it, but it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's called Dr. Sleep where they like, so suck <laughs> you know, they go around in vans and, and, uh, oh no, never mind. I'm thinking of cycle of the werewolf. So I've read a werewolf. Uh, graphic novel that he wrote um, that was actually very cool. Um, so I, I've seen him tackle like a like a like a classic monster in that way, and it was very good. And so I'd be curious to see what he does with like just straight up vampires. Very interesting, right? So yeah, I would be into that. That was one of the things that I saw that was coming out as well. I'm excited. Uh, you know, it's another chance for us to cover King. We're always gonna you know the big ones, the big yeah. King There'll stories. There'll be a like- King or two or two in the coming year for sure. I know we want to do Misery. We want to do Shawshank. We want to do Green Mile. Like, uh, there's just so many, man. The list goes on and on. Right. So, uh, one that I really, really selfishly want to do because I started this comic run and haven't been able to like do as much as I wanted of the, as far as the reading of it. It's called Paper Girls, and I think I mentioned this oh, way, yeah, way, yeah. way, you way mentioned back. That one, yeah, you? long ago. It filmed officially this past summer, so it's coming out. And uh, is it coming out in 2022? I believe so. It's I think it's TBD 2022. So it would be cool to cover it in some way. Um, it's a time travel story. It's like, yeah, I, I think it looks like a lot of fun. And the, the parts of the story that I read and especially the visual style of the comic, like I was super into. So it would be cool to find a way to cover that. Hey, man, I'm interested in that. Uh, speaking of comics, Sandman, we mentioned earlier in the episode, Neil Gaiman. It's time to get back to him. That might be my one of my most anticipated. I think that's probably yeah, it's up got there. Be. Top top three easily. Maybe my maybe number number one. Boy, I hope it's good. Yeah. Well, he's he's directly involved, so I'm hoping that that you know that has an effect. Absolutely, yeah. And I, I the one thing I don't know is how we're going to tackle the comics because I'm not sure how long the run is that it's being inspired from and like what we're going to read for it. If anybody's like a big Sandman fan and knows a lot, maybe reach out and let us know like what you think we need to read or like what issues or do they have a compendium where they put them all together, like that kind of stuff. Okay, so I have one last one I want to touch on. I, I, don't, I, I wonder if you even heard of it. Uh, Guillermo del Toro is apparently going to be making a Pinocchio movie. I, I remember this is this is like something that's been kicked around for a little while and I think it got delayed for a while. It's like an animated movie, yeah. I think. And... What I read was that it's going to be a lot darker, more in line with the source material, which is like a thing I read. And I was like, ooh, perfect, because I would love to tackle like an old story like that. Right. And then you get you you get like a, I, it's, I assume it's got kind of a Brothers Grimm, like there's something a little more darkness to it. And then you're going to have Guillermo del Toro come in and do an adaptation. And I don't even think he's a director we've got to talk about. Like We haven't gotten to do an episode on him yet. So. That would be very cool. And I think uh, a good opportunity to cover something like Pinocchio, which has been on our list for a long time. And I always think it's a great chance to, to tackle it when something new comes out. 
because then you can be topical and people are, are people are thinking about it. A couple of things that I know about this for sure is that it is stop motion, which I'm okay. always a sucker for. I love stop motion. And also it was like. So so like a, like a Coraline type. Right. Thing? Stop motion animation. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing is um, th there was like something happened within the studio system and it, it like literally in the middle of production got canceled. And you can imagine that the production of a stop motion animation feature is like really long in comparison to just yeah. like a live action feature. And uh, so it's it got basically axed and then the production was revived by Netflix and it's supposed to come out at the end of 2022. Cool. Yeah, man, I'm excited for that one. So there's a lot to look forward to in 2022 as we just laid out. Um, a couple of things that I want to say uh, here at the end. I, 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 last time, last year, we talked about some resolutions, some goals, some looking ahead, um, and I wanted to talk about some of that. Um, I don't know if, you, if you've thought about that at all, if you have anything you want to put out into the ether. Um, so one thing I want to say is for the podcast itself, first off, um, we are in the 400s right now, I think 450 or so, um, subscribers on YouTube. I would like to see that number get up to a thousand. Um, if I could get it in the next year, that would be amazing. And it's kind of a lofty goal just at the rate we've been growing, but like I want to put out some more video content. So hopefully that can draw people to it. And then at a thousand, you know, that's when you can officially monetize, which, you know, it's not going to be for a lot of money when you don't have a, a million views, but um, it would be very cool just to hit that, hit that milestone. Um, so that's a goal. And then, um, I really want to try and figure out how to get some more patrons. Um, we, we've got a good we've got a good group on there that has been keeping us going. Um, but you know we've had a few people fall off recently. Totally understand. You know circumstances change. Um, you know so no hard feelings there at all. You know you're always welcome you back if you want to come back at some point. Um, but because of that, we've actually dipped below our minimum sort of goal where we're going to be paying for all of the expenses of Ink to Film. So unfortunately, we're, we're heading into the new year looking like if things continue, we're going to have to start paying out of pocket again. Um, that's not something either of us want to do. Um, it's, it, it makes keeping this thing going very difficult for us. So um, yeah, Patreon, getting that, getting that first goal taken care of would be amazing in the new year. Um, and speaking of that, we're going to do four more quarterly projects this last year, we did Gone Girl, The Haunting of Hill House, Pride and Prejudice, and Carrie were our four projects. And man, those were all bangers. Like, what what, what great projects. Yeah, yeah. great projects. Um, so if you want to vote on those, the way to do it is to be on Patreon, and you get to vote on the polls. Beyond that, I we're going to, if everything goes according to plan, we'll be releasing our 250th episode, um, which, you know, another crazy milestone right. hitting and, and hopefully we will hit it this coming year. Knock on wood, fingers crossed. That's wild. Quarter of a thousand episodes. Yeah. That's insane. How about it? Yeah. I mean, just in terms of like resolutions, goals, things going forward, like I, I um, you know, I hope 2022 is a little different from 2021. It, you know, so far shaping up to be just as stressful and just as everything as it ever was. But I'd love to see more people. I'd love to like go on like meaningful longer vacations and stuff and like, but we'll see how all that shakes out. That's like some personal stuff. That's all dependent on variants. Right. Right. Yeah. It's not really up to it's it's up to people getting fucking vaccinated. Please, for the love of God, everyone yeah. get vaccinated. Well, and I hope all our listeners stay safe out there. Yeah. Like it's the, the numbers are getting scary. You know, I, I keep hearing that maybe it's going to be this big surge and then it's coming on the other side of it. Things are going to start getting better. So I'm, you know, I'm hoping for that and I'm hoping that people can stay safe during during the surge. And Yeah. As far as podcast goals, like I agree with yours as well. I do think that we should we should go for some more some more video content and like 
yeah. if, if our listeners have suggestions of like what that looks like to them, like what they would like to see from us. Um, I don't really think it's practical for us to like record live episodes and just post yeah. that. But it's not well, really for our... one, we're not in the same place. Right. Like if we were in the same house or something, that would be a lot easier for yeah. us to do. But if there's other things that you'd like to see us like do you, I know we've done a couple of like, we've done like a live stream playing a game on Twitch. Yeah, that was the Scott Pilgrim video game. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that. We both play a lot of video games. So like we could definitely figure that out if that's something people are interested in. Or even if it's just like, you know, getting on for like live chats or something like I would be into something like that. We can figure it out. So first off for me, um, I should have probably announced this at the start of the episode. I'll talk about it more in the coming year, I'm sure. But um, I did just sell a story um, to Reckoning Magazine, which is a magazine that covers uh tackles environmental justice and it is a pro level magazine um and it is a a big step for me to actually have a sale in a magazine like this i'm very excited for it and uh i didn't even realize how quickly it was coming out and it is available now in ebook um you can you can get it i think it's like seven bucks and you're supporting a cool cause right because they're a nonprofit and they're all about this environmental justice stuff um so it's a it's a a cause that I believe in, and I, I would recommend people check it out, buy the issue. Um, it's it's got amazing stuff in it. Not you know not just my story on there, which I do love, but uh, it's got a lot of great stuff in there. Um, my story is the closer; it's the final one in the issue, and um, you know I'm very honored to be at that spot. Um, and that leads me into my sort of resolutions and goals, and that's that I want to live in the moment, appreciate the moment, and have this story. Um, you know, have, have I make sure I'm doing everything with it I can. And then beyond that, I want to continue to write. I want to write some short fiction, but I want, the main thing is I want to finish this novel I've been working on. Um, it's been, it's been hanging over my head for a while now. Um, and this is, this is the year I got to get it done and I want to get it done and I'm making the resolution to get it done and get it out there. Um, and then continue to build, uh, hopefully some momentum in the writing career, um, would be very, very cool. Um, and then beyond that one that is uh, kind of a fun one I just like uh, on a whim kind of came up with is I want to try and read a short story per week this year um, because short fiction is something that I do love it's something that I write but it's not something I read enough of now I've read a, like a decent amount over the course of time I have many favorites but what I don't do is just like weekly go out there and find a story to read so what I started doing was I'm going to tweet about it. I'll, I'll do a little mini review. Um, I'll read one story per week. And then I've invited people to join me, you know, read a story a week. You know, it's very easy to do. They typically take about a half hour to read. Um, the one I, I at least recently listened to one on escape pod. Um, and I did it on a dog walk, you know, so just one dog walk a week. I just turned it on and listened to it while I walked. Just going to do a little tweet of a review. And it was a good time, you know, and uh, it, there's a lot of great podcasts out there. A lot of these magazines have po dedicated podcasts where people read the stories. So it's very accessible these days, more than ever, often free. And I think it's a good way to stay on the cutting edge of what genre is doing right now or literature, you know, because there's a lot of great literary magazines, too. Um, you know, no rules, whatever you want to read. I'd, I'd love to have you do it. And if you do. Um, tag me in a tweet about it or something. Let me know. I, I even threw a hashtag on there. Uh, I did hashtag uh, one story challenge as in one story a week um, because I, I think it's cool. It's like a digestible, attainable goal. I'm going to read one short story a week. And by the end of the year, I will have read 52 short stories, which, hell, that'd be pretty good considering I definitely haven't read that many in a while. So, yeah, I'd love for people to join me on that one. It would be very cool. 
Oh, I'm, I'm I'm at Luminous Luke on Twitter, by the way. So yeah, uh, if, you, if you follow me, you'll see it, me tweet about it every week. That's really cool, man. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. So that's my goal. Uh, last year, I talked about wanting to be healthier and uh, take care of my body a little more. And I'm happy to say that I, I have made some progress in that in that department. Um, holidays were tough, backslid a little bit, but I'm gonna I'm getting back on the ball now that we're in the new year, and that's definitely a goal I have going forward because I continue want to be healthy, and I've just found that when I feel better, I I am am better, I'm happier, and I just I want more of that. So that that goal is an ongoing one that will continue into the new year for me. That's cool. Yeah, another great goal. I I definitely think that this is gonna be a year where I like shift into a lot more like health centric. Like I want to do more fitness stuff because I feel like I eat healthy. I do a lot of healthy habits, but I want to, I want to like be working out consistently and stuff because genuinely like in terms of like my own mental health, I feel better if I, if I get a exercise in and, and I feel like too much of the last couple of years has been like sitting in front of a computer and stuff. So yeah, definitely time I'm for with that. you, man. Yeah. And I know resolutions. A lot of people have mixed feelings about them in general right. because, you know, you break them and then you feel guilty. And I actually kind of dislike them in general. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, I feel like my resolutions, uh, I either want to keep them kind of fun and attainable or I want to keep it to be like an ongoing goal that I just have for self-improvement. And I don't know. I think that it, I, I, I like them in a way, even though I, I don't think you should feel guilty if you break them. I don't know. I, you make them serve you. Don't worry about it the other way around. So the last thing we have to do is to announce our first project of 2022, which will be when we come back from a little hiatus between seasons. Um, but before we do that, we just wanted to ask you if you enjoyed this episode, you enjoyed our look back, let us know in the form of a rating and review on whatever podcast app you chose to listen on. If you're on Spotify, you now have the option to leave a five-star uh, rating. I don't even think you can leave like a written review, but you can leave a rating now and we'd love to accrue some of those. Um, and honestly, like, I feel like uh, if you listen to this episode and you liked it, like, you know, it's a pact now and you have to do it. Right. I think that's the way it works. I'm pretty sure on our, like, uh, specifically on our show, like, there's no option but five stars, too. So don't go looking for anything beyond that. <laughs> don't go looking for anything less than that. Yeah. Make sure to connect with us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All of those at ink to film And you can join our Discord server as well. Uh, let us know that you would like an invitation on any social media platform. Or if you're on Facebook, on our Council of Inklings group, you can you can get that link in there. Yeah, and we're gonna try and stay active with that somewhat even during our hiatus we're about to be on. Uh, so it's a good way to stay connected, um, and you can talk about maybe the book that we're about to announce that we're gonna be covering. Um, also, if you wanted to support us, we would love to have you on Patreon. Like I said, um, we we need patrons uh, right now, and we'd really appreciate it. We have a lot of bonus content on there. Um, lots of stuff that, that you could get uh, for that. And you get to vote on the on the quarterly projects as another bonus. So we'd love to have you on there. Patreon.com slash ink to film. So our first project of the year, actually, uh, it's got some good buzz around it. I've heard some good things. And, and I've, it's a story that's sort of been on my radar. Yeah, I this is a novel I have been hearing about for a few years now. It's a pretty new one. Um, but it, it is uh, people who, who read it mostly seem to adore it. And when I've heard it described, it just sounds like something I'd be super into. Um, and that is Station Eleven. It has got an adaptation right now, I think, on HBO. Yeah. And HBO. from everything I've been hearing about the HBO adaptation, is that it's fantastic. Like, I mean, people have been loving that too, as is expected. Which is why it's like, why couldn't the Stand have just come out on HBO? 
Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we did. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> regardless, um, I think we're going to cover that. Like that's that's my plan. Um, we again, we're going into the new year to start off with television um, because apparently we haven't learned a lesson, but we're going to continue to cover television and we're going to we're going to kick the year off with one. But it's just because it's 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 I can't miss project, I feel like. And I mm-hmm. and I want to get to it. So uh, if you wanted to read along with us, go ahead and check it out. We are going to cover the entire book in our first episode of 2022, which will be later in January, I believe. Um, we're going to take a week off, fully off, and then we're going to have a week where we do planning for the new season, and then we'll be back. So um, we're going to have two weeks off where you won't see anything in your feed, and then we'll be starting season six of Ink to Film. I can't believe it. Honestly, you know, the, yeah. the half year for our first season Makes it sound like a, a little bit longer than it really is, but it's yeah. still a long, long time. It was almost more like a third of a year, too. Right. <laughs> uh, but hey, I, I actually, it does still feel like a distinct season to me, though, because of the way it all played yeah. out. So, but we're going to be going yeah. into like our literal fifth year. Like we're going to hit five years here soon. Yeah, yeah, very soon. Uh, pretty wild, and um, we are so glad for all of you who have come on at any point along the way. Thank you so much. It was, it was a rough year in real life but a great year in the cyberspace of the podcast and we thank you for joining us and until next time keep adapting Mm -hmm.